What's up, y'all? Georgia defeats Samford, uh, a game that I think a lot of people might have expected Georgia to cover. I certainly didn't. 52 points seemed like a lot to me. Uh, Georgia actually goes in the running clock at the end of that one. I don't know if it was due to rain, uh, weather, uh, extreme circumstances pending this evening, and they decided to go 12 minutes. I don't know. But Georgia wins this one 33 to nothing. Kind of a one of those games that Georgia didn't really have last season, I think, because a lot of people were on that team that clearly had senior leadership experience and the preparation maybe going into games like this. Opponents like Sanford probably taken a little bit more seriously. I'm speculating there, but Georgia still comes away with the win here. Stetson Bennett going to be hyper-analyzed every single game for what he does. Look, he got a lot of acclaim after 49-3 to taking on Oregon last week. The play he made with his feet, scrambling to find Lab McConkey, the keeper, to score on the ground, really just looking unstoppable at Mercedes-Benz Stadium today. He had a lot of self-imposed errors, some passes that he'd like to get back, no doubt. All that said, he still finishes 24-34, 300 yards passing, one turn, uh, touchdown through the air, one touchdown on the ground, no turnovers. But he did have a scramble uh, early on in the game. I believe it was right before halftime uh, where he lost, I think, 17 yards on the scramble. And that's the kind of thing you can't have if you're Stetson Bennett. That's the kind of thing Georgia doesn't want Stetson Bennett to do. And whether or not he adheres to that, listens to that, takes that advice from Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin, yet to be seen. But Georgia improves to 2-0. and Certainly a lot to look at here. Georgia on the plus side, you know, I, I focused on Stetson's day because everyone else is going to. Uh, Georgia's defense, once again, keeps an opponent out of the end zone this season. No touchdowns thus far on the board against the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm Wes Blankenship. Appreciate y'all tuning in to this Georgia versus Samford post-game chat here on Dogs HQ. As you see us scrolling on the bottom here, we have a dollar for a year premium uh, offer going on at dogshq.com with insight and news uh, from the team and on the recruiting front as well. But also want to encourage you, if you're listening right now on our YouTube channel, hit subscribe, help this channel get to 1,000 subscribers. We are brand new site with a lot of experience ourselves from the employees on the staff but the site itself is new we're trying to build this thing from the ground up it is a brand new uh competitor in this already loaded georgia market but we will bring everything to the table that we have and that's a whole lot uh jake rowe will be joining me soon as i mentioned and uh He'll have much more from Sanford Stadium where he was at the game watching it all, seeing Georgia's fans return to Sanford Stadium uh, for the first time as defending national champions. So a cool story there. I don't think they necessarily enjoyed the show all that much just because of the weather. It's kind of wet out there. And of course, Georgia lacked a lot of the execution, a lot of the firepower that they put on display against Oregon and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I'm sure we're going to hear a lot from Kirby Smart on that and uh, diagnose it for the rest of the weekend. But for now, Georgia is 2-0. Let's get to some of the comments here. Uh, definitely encourage you to like this video, subscribe as well, and comment. Engage with us. 
Let's uh, hear from you. What did you see in the game? What concerned you? What did you like? What do you think Georgia needs to improve upon before playing South Carolina? Let's start with Don Smith asking, what's up with Arik? Uh, Gilbert tied in, you know, of all the players that Georgia threw passes to today, let's see how many players caught at least one pass. I'm going to start from the bottom up. Branson Robinson, running back, one reception. A.D. Mitchell, one reception. We'll get to that in a minute when Roe comes on. A.D. Mitchell left the game with an injury in Georgia's first possession. Makai Muse, uh, that is not a Pokemon, one reception. Kendall Milton, running back, one reception. Dominic Blaylock, one reception. Dejon Edwards, running back, one reception. Marcus Rosme-Jack Saint, one, uh, two receptions. Denylon Morissette, two receptions. Dylan Bell, three receptions and a touchdown. Jackson Meeks, three receptions for 31 yards. Darnell Washington, big wash, really hard to stop when he can get his mitts on it, when Stetson can get him the ball, two receptions, 33 yards. Kiaris Jackson, two catches. Lad McConkey, only one catch today. Uh, Lad didn't rush any either. It looks like they really put Lad on ice a little bit, or maybe Sanford locked him up. The film will tell. Brock Bowers, three catches. Could have had a touchdown, had a drop uh, on a ball that we're used to seeing Brock catch, similar to a touchdown catch he had against Kentucky, but he just couldn't wrangle it in. And Kenny McIntosh, once again, Georgia's leading re receiver, five catches, 61 yards. The touchdowns on the day, I already mentioned Dylan Bell. Stetson Bennett had a score on the ground, and Kenny McIntosh did as well. So Kenny McIntosh, really a threat across the board. But uh, the things that Georgia will want to take away out of this one, red zone execution, just the major, major killer today. If you were gambling and looking for that over, uh, looking for Georgia to beat the spread, I should say, 52 points, you look at uh, field goal, first quarter. They get a fumble from Sanford. Can only turn that into a field goal. Um, Georgia then does get a touchdown, but then another drive. Six plays, 36 yards, Georgia can only turn into a field goal. Um, so that's four opportunities right there where Georgia looked so efficient in the red zone last week and efficient overall. I mean, their first seven drives went for touchdowns against Oregon. Not the case today against Sanford. So a lot to work on. Uh, Georgia will certainly have a uh, tough week of practice cut out for it as the dogs get ready for their SEC opener on the road against South Carolina. So to answer your question about Eric, I went on the tangent about all the players that had catches today. Eric Gilbert was not one of them. And that is interesting to me, just given the fact that so many players had targets, had catches today. Gilbert did have a pretty costly false start penalty when Georgia was going, was going to go for it on a fourth and one. And Gilbert had a false start. I'm not saying that contributed to his lack of targets, to his lack of catches. He just wasn't a part of that passing game plan today. And it's not because he was intentionally left out. It might have just been as simple as he wasn't open. Quarterback didn't see him. Uh, again, Don, I assume continuing on Arik here, getting in late in the game and seems disengaged. Look, whenever Jake Rowe joins me, we can talk more about this. But Jake spoke earlier this week on our message board about how much it 
impressed him that Gilbert could even get back to this point, given what he'd gone through mentally, um, certainly struggling with some issues there, and then physically to get back on track and be healthy again, have the right weight that you want as a player. Uh, so I, I think it all comes with the caveat. I, I do think that Gilbert still has obviously a ways to go, um, but you got to keep that in mind too, that this guy could potentially not even be playing football right now. And he's back for the dogs. Um, let's see what's going on in our instant analysis right now. Um, Georgia wins 33 to nothing. Jake Rowe just posted this as premium content over at dogshq.com. Uh, but a little bit of a teaser here. He says he didn't see A.D. Mitchell come back to the sideline. That's not good. Um, if that's the case, we'll hear more from Kirby post-game, I assume, later on this week. But that, to me, even you know, despite Georgia's struggles today, Stetson Bennett not looking particularly sharp, if A.D. Mitchell can't come back in the game, and if, if he's out for a significant time right now for Georgia, it's time for young receivers to step up, like Jackson Meeks. Jackson Meeks is one of those guys today that did contribute after AD went down. Um, you don't necessarily want to rely on him right now, but Jackson Meeks had three catches for 31 yards. Uh, Jake's calling me right now. Hey, man. Uh, I'm putting you on right now. We're live. Uh, Jake Rowe joining us now. Jake, you just got your instant analysis posted. I saw. Uh, tell me what your big takeaway from the game is. I've been flapping my gums about my takeaways for long enough. What did you see from up there today? You know, I'll tell you what, I, I uh, it was sloppy and it was unfocused. Uh, and, but Georgia, you know, you get out of there with a 33 point win. Um, you're going to have games like this. It's, it's good if you can kind of time them up and they can be uh, in against opponents like this. Uh, but I think we saw what we can expect or, or what can be accomplished by this Georgia team last week, you know, just dismantling Oregon. Um, the defense showed up, played really well against an offensive attack. They can kind of cause some problems for you um, with, with their ability to spread you around. But uh, I just thought ultimately that that uh, it was just a sloppy effort. Stetson Bennett missed some throws early on. And, and who knows, you know, you, you, if he comes out just a little bit more accurate, hits a couple of those touchdowns on the first two drives, Georgia probably just blitzes away and we're all talking about a different game. Uh, but it's a game of inches and you've got to kind of do it uh, you got to do it early, you got to do it in the middle, and you got to do it late. And Georgia just didn't really do that today. I think the, probably the biggest disappointment, though, um, wasn't the early misses. It was just the lack of execution in the second half because you, know, you expect to kind of come out of the you know, first half, you know, knowing that you didn't play your best ball in the, in the first half, and you come out in the second half and, and get it going. And it looked like they might do that with the run game, but, but it definitely didn't play out that way. Yeah, the red zone struggles I, I thought were the big story for Georgia today. Stetson kind of showing what dark side Stetson can look like if he comes back down to earth after that Oregon game and the scrambles don't work out. You know, that was what we didn't see on that great touchdown pass to Lab McConkey at Mercedes-Benz Stadium last week. We saw Stetson, you know, able to cash that in and, and use his feet to create a touchdown today he had a questionable decision, and it cost Georgia a sack, 17 yards. Yeah, uh, that's going to happen, though. I mean, that, that happens if you look at any great quarterback and, and any guy that's mobile and, and tries to improvise, uh, that happens to him. And, and you know, Stetson got the, got the bad end of that. 
like you said, uh, I don't know if you said evil Stetson, but but if you did, I like it. Uh, you know, it's going to happen to him. But again, I mean, you know, you still look at some of the throws he did make. I mean, you saw uh, a couple of strikes. I mean, one to Kiaris Jackson there before the half on Georgia's, you know, I guess final touchdown of the day. Um, you know, led to Georgia's final touchdown of the day. The Kenny McIntosh from one yard out. The the 37-yarder to Lad McConkey was a really good throw. Uh, he, he just, I don't know if it was because he was amped, you know, coming back into Sanford Stadium. It was a pretty crazy environment here, pretty pretty loud environment for a Sanford game. Folks were really fired up. Student section was full early. Uh, I just thought that, that you know, he, he may have been a little bit amped early and, and threw the ball high. But like you said about the, you know, his ability to play off schedule, uh, that just didn't work out for him today like it normally did. And I think now your attention kind of turns to what's Kirby Smart going to say about A.D. Mitchell. Yeah, so I'm, I mentioned in your instant reaction that you didn't see A.D. Mitchell come back on the field. I also brought up just how many targets Georgia had today across the board, all the players that they threw the ball to. But A.D. Mitchell is a tough one to replace, even with all those receptions going to all those different dogs. Yeah, he is. Um, and he's a tough he's a tough guy to replace because he's a separation guy. He can create it. Um, he can give you that 50-50 ball presence out there. Uh, he's crafty in terms of, okay, if teams decide – okay, well, we're going to play this leverage or that leverage. We're going to force him to do that. He still figures out a way to get open because if he, he's a good route runner. He's a smooth athlete. And um, I'll tell you what, the fact that he didn't come back out onto the sideline, um, if I'm being honest and if I'm giving my opinion here, I don't think that's a great sign. I, not, not necessarily, oh, well, he's going to miss the season or anything like that, but just in terms of his you know, immediate future, his immediate uh, in, you know, near prognosis for the next you know, week, two, three, four weeks, uh, I just don't think that that's a good sign that, that he wasn't back out there cheering on his teammates. Yeah, it's certainly something to look at. And I think the early fear was that it could have been a knee injury. But then we heard the report uh, I did on the radio. You did on the press box in the press box that it was an ankle injury. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on. Palmer Toms is at Sanford Stadium with you as well today. And he will be in that postgame press conference uh, and, of course, we have everything covered over at dogshq.com. Um, Jake, look, we've we've hammered the offense. How disappointing they look today. I know it was just Samford, but how about the defense once again not allowing a touchdown? Even with all of these backups getting in late in the game, that side of Georgia's team right now, I, I think through two games, I would have expected a little bit more of a letdown from all those guys that went to the NFL. Yeah, if you look back at uh, at the last time Georgia played Sanford, now listen, it was that was Devlin Duck Hodges, a quarterback, you know, a guy that played in the NFL. Uh, Georgia gave up fourteen uh, against uh, against Sanford. So, uh, it's Chris Hatcher knows offense. He knows how to scheme guys open. They only really threatened one time today. Uh, I, I, the first the first downs were. I mean, they had three of them. They had three first downs. Sanford went one of thirteen on fourth down. Oh of one. Oh of one. Uh, on uh, on on fourth down, and that was Javon Bullard breaking that up. Uh, to 128 total yards. Georgia dominated on that side of the ball, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the defensive line did what you expected a Georgia defensive line to do to a Sanford defensive line. They just dominated them physically from the jump, and uh, that's where it all started. So uh, we did get another comment here from Don Smith bringing up some other games around the SEC. Obviously, 
you know, everyone keeping their eyes on that Texas-Alabama game today. That was something of note for Georgia fans, no doubt. A&M just lost to App State, so another big Power 5 upset uh, for App State. Look, it, it's a kind of a letdown day around the SEC, to be honest, and I think Georgia you know, wasn't immune to that. Um, what do you ultimately take away from this as Georgia goes on to Columbia next week? I know we'll hammer that tomorrow night as we really start to shift our attention to the next week's game. Uh, but as far as what Georgia and their identity is, you know, do you overvalue what they looked like today? Do you feel like the Oregon, you know, onslaught was more representative of this team or do you feel like today's game was a red flag about how Georgia can potentially beat itself more than last year's team did? I'm not going to say it's not a red flag. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say double negative, but, you know, I think it could be. Uh, but again, we, we saw the potential of this team against a team with better athletes, with, with better football players in Oregon. You know, I, I look at it like this, Wes. Uh, you know, Georgia's staff loves to pound that play to a standard. Uh, you know, and, and, and keep chopping and, and all of those different mantras that they have, right? Well, you know, you come out and you play a game like this and, and the, those mistakes they made against Oregon that didn't bite them, they bit them today. And, you know, maybe those mistakes were a little bit more dramatic. Maybe, the, you know, lack of the A.B. Mitchell in the game kind of hurt them a little bit. But, you know, the, this allows Georgia staff, this, it's almost like leverage. Georgia staff gets some leverage off of a game like this to really – uh, you know, kind of drill into the players that you got to be focused, you got to execute at a high level, you got to put together a good week of practice. And, you know, you, you go back to those Kirby Smart comments on Tuesday, the most important practice of the week, the biggest practice of the week, the most physical one. And he said it was their worst, uh, maybe their worst since they started back practicing. Um, maybe it was some of that, you know, maybe it was some of that come, kind of coming back to bottom. We didn't talk Kirby on Wednesday or Thursday. So, you know, it could have been a situation where they kind of tapered off there after a good practice on Monday and, and, uh, and, and you know, the staff can kind of use that to, uh, to kind of tighten screws a little bit and, and, and use that leverage to get their attention. Yeah, if you're just now tuning in, uh, welcome to our post-game chat. And if you're catching this on a replay, definitely encourage you to subscribe to Dogs HQ on YouTube. Help us grow this thing if you love the dogs, if you love college football. To that point, Jake, Kirby mentioned to the SEC Network's Alyssa Lang after the game, we're still waiting on his official press conference, but he had a pretty Kirby-esque quote just saying, standards don't need motivation. And I think that speaks to what you were just saying. I, I don't think he was pleased with that practice on Tuesday that we talked about earlier this week. And it looks like some of that may have lingered into the game today. Uh, one last topic that I didn't bring up with you, I was curious to see what, the reaction was live uh, on your end and, and speaking with Palmer, you know, a lot of concern in our Twitter space and our, our halftime conversation about Georgia's lack of push along the offensive line today. And I don't know if that was one of the mistakes against Oregon you alluded to, but if there's anything specific, that's been a theme, it's, it's been, you know, that lack of power Georgia running game that we're so used to seeing. Do you think that's, about Todd Munkin and, and how he wants to spread the ball around on offense and maybe Georgia just isn't that rushing team that we're so used to, or do you think it's a legitimate concern? I mean, I think it's multifaceted. Uh, when you look at it, 
you know, I thought there were times where Georgia's offensive line moved Sanford off the ball. It created a good, easy four or five yards for the running backs, and they didn't get any more than that. But then I also saw times too, West, where, where Georgia needed to run the ball, you know, third and short uh, or, or just short yardage, you know, spots in general, you know, red area. You know, Georgia kicked four field goals inside the 10-yard line today. Um, you know, I thought that they had chances to maybe run the ball there, and they couldn't. Uh, you know, th- there are some I- – I think the concerns were warranted, but I don't necessarily agree with they can't run the football. Uh, you know, I-, I saw holes open up. I saw Georgia get a switch. I think the running backs have to do a better job of taking the four and turning it into, you know, nines or taking the six and turning it into 15. Um, Kendall Milton did a little of that in the second half. Uh, Georgia kind of got away from it after a couple of really nice runs. And, uh, you know, it's thus far he's been Georgia's most successful tailback because uh, he's seen it well, and he's 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 able to kind of break tackles and 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 create that you know two three extra yards after contact. Uh, they're not getting that as much from Kenny McIntosh. Uh, you know, he's doing a ton for Georgia in the passing game. Don't get me wrong, uh, but but they're not getting as much of that from from McIntosh and Edwards. But it's very inconsistent. I'll say that. I mean, that the, they're showing that when they're coming off the ball and they're getting a hat on a hat and they're executing, they're getting they're having some good things happen. But I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the running backs since they've got to do more with what they're given, and the offensive line has to create it more consistently for those guys. Before we wrap up here, Jake, we spoke earlier this week just about your experience covering the team, speaking with Kirby on weeks where he has a little bit of an extra, uh, I guess, burr in his saddle and you said it was kind of refreshing to cover a team that's good you know not just a frustrated coach but a good team with a coach like that because he's setting the standard for the team uh traditionally when Georgia does have a game like this because again I I don't remember a full game wire to wire where Georgia just looked flat last season if if there was one you can correct me um but traditionally speaking what are you expecting to hear out of Kirby Smart this week especially as Georgia is about to open its SEC schedule on the road at Columbia? I expect to hear a tone of I told you so. Uh, you know, he's at always, you know, never too high, never too low. Um, he tried to tell us all that, that the Oregon game not necessarily was an aberration, but maybe it wasn't quite what it seemed in terms of what the score looked like. Uh, well, we, you know, we, we got to look at what, you know, a sloppy game can do for Georgia in this game, and, and but I'll say this too, Wes. I, I watched back in 2016, Georgia came in, played a bad Nichols. FCS team in Nichols, and barely won, 26-24. Uh, Georgia just beat a, a, a much better FCS team, I feel like, than, than that team, uh, 33 nothing, And uh, it, it scored you know points on its first uh, six possessions of the day, I believe. Yeah, six possessions, three field goals, three touchdowns. They're going to want to execute better. They're going to want to get better. They're going to want to do things at, at a uh, you know to a to a higher standard, and 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 you know do things to a uh, uh, to they're going to want to execute to a higher level. But you know ultimately this is a win. They did enough. They did plenty, and uh, and they'll move on and they'll try to get better from it. No doubt. All right, Jake. Good work as always. Can't wait to see what else comes out of. Uh, Wrapping this game up, dogshq.com, $1 for one year for the premium stuff. We got you covered in our post-game reactions as well as we hear from Kirby Smart and hear from the players too. That's all on Dogs HQ's YouTube channel, so subscribe to that. Appreciate it, Jake. Appreciate y'all watching. We'll catch you next time.